Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. I want to I start off just, yeah, uh, just coming to this, this place and going, like, I, I, I want you to hear me today. This message comes... Um, I'm praying that it would come in, in encouragement and conviction, but not condemnation. Come on, amen. And so, Lord, we do. We just ask that, God, your words would not fall on deaf ears, that, God, you would open eyes and hearts and ears to receive the, your, your, your word, and that, God, it would, um, yeah, it would begin to work in ways that we couldn't even imagine. God, we thank you that your word never returns void, and this is your promise. And so, Lord, we just ask, God, I just ask that you'd use this as a, me as a vessel of your truth today, and that, God, your, your word would go forth into many lives. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you, by show of hands, 2023 has gone exactly according to plan? Sweet. We got one. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> Most likely in life, I think if I said how many of you, life has gone according to plan, let alone a year, a week, whatever, it never goes according to our plans. But we get to hold on to the promise and the truth that his ways are higher and his ways are greater. Come on. And as I've been preparing for this sermon in, in natural accord, Aaron always does this to me where he came to me and he said, Matt, remember that you are preaching on the 23rd. And I said, it's amazing. I can't remember something I've never been told. And this was like last week. And so he was like, oh, my bad. Maybe I thought I told you. And I was like, that's usually how it goes. And so he, and then he followed that up with, man, and I said, what do you, is there anything you want me to preach on, anything that you're leading into? And he said, I want you to preach on what God is laying on your heart and give it boldly to the church. And I was like, ooh, that's no weight, right? And so I've been praying and asking the Lord through this, and it comes from the question I asked. I think sometimes we think life should be going a certain way or we, we, we feel like it should be going a certain way. But the truth is, is our faith and our trust is in him who holds all life. And um, 20, I, I've thankfully got to serve this church body and, and, and family and, um, for the last 16 years. And I'm just so thankful for it. But in so many ways, my role has changed over and over again. And I, I say that a lot, but I think that's the beauty is... Um, like this year has been one of the, mo the, the greatest years of growth for me because of new things and new avenues that God has, has opened up. And, and so, um, yeah, I feel like 2023, God, I, I was given almost a, an empowerment or encouragement to say, Matt, what is the Lord doing in your heart and what do you want to do? And I'm thankful for the leadership that we have here to, to say, hey, we see that you're gifted in this, this way and these ways. And, and I get to serve as the, the, the worship pastor of, of Reliance, but I get to steward really all of these amazing giftings and things. And, and I never take that for granted. And as, as uh, Reliance and, and kind of the elders and some of them kind of unlocked this, this thing in me and said, hey, we see that you're gifted in telling stories. We want to encourage you to do that in greater ways. And I'm so thankful for those who empower us when in those giftings, amen? There's power in our testimonies. There's power in our stories. And I've shared this with you before, but uh, this is really where this word stemmed from. So in 2023, I've been traveling a lot. I mean, all over the place. 
uh, for I think June and July, I was literally home for maybe like eight days of the total thing. And usually it was on Sundays. And so it was like home for Sunday, leave, home for Sunday, leave. And it was just kind of crazy and chaotic. But there's this, in, in March, I got to go to Africa. I got to share about that a little bit. But one thing that I saw in Africa is I saw what God was doing in a, a grander scope. I got to see what the fruit of the kingdom looks like, not just here, but in so many different ways and so many different cultures. And what I saw was there is a strategic plan of God being manifested throughout the earth. Do you believe that? I hope so. Because this is the hope we cling to. And as I got to visit village from, uh, and tribes and, and different cities and, and different cultures, I saw one thing. That in this way, God has a strategic plan. He's also equipping them in strategic ways. And he's raising up leaders. And what, what really challenged me is everywhere that I went, they could actually verbally say what their mission was, what their goal was, and what they were trying to do and carry out. And what I felt like was amazing was even in the different cultures, even though it looked differently, each one of them can say, hey, this is what we feel like God is calling us to make a great impact in the gospel in each community. And so I came home and I began to ask the Lord, Lord, would you search within me? Would you begin to show me where I have, you know, maybe put barriers up or, 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 or these walls up that you want to tear down and I want to be obedient to what you are leading and so, Holy Spirit, take these ministries. We want to steward what you've given us, but, Lord, we don't want to take over. And so, um, as I was asking God to do that, I feel like he, he downloaded a few things to me. And that's, again, where this, this message stems from. And then we went to Alaska in, uh, in, in July. When I say we, I got to go to Alaska, and, and my wife got to join me for a short bit. And... and um, and I was going there, if you guys know Tim and Casey Cole, um, they're amazing. And the, the ministry that God is doing in Athletes in Action, I'm going to be honest, I had no idea what I was about to walk into. I don't know if I've ever seen such fruitful ministry in my entire life. And that's, I've been in ministry 20 years full time, going, I've never seen such fruit like this. And this is what I mean. I'll never forget when Tim shared the story of him going over to that cross right there and kneeling down before that cross saying, yes, Lord, I don't know what this yes means, but I will be obedient, and I know you have a call on my life, and I will follow you with everything. And then I watched this equipping and this, this stirring of this man walk into this position, and we get to hear from it from a, a distance. He comes and shares, and, and Casey comes to share, and we're like, man, that's really cool. But this is what I saw, and, and eventually I'll get to share these videos with you, but I watched a whole bunch of men whose lives are fully rooted in an, a, a, a fake and false identity. I saw this, this grander, the higher and the more elite that these level of athletes get, the more it becomes their, their identity. And I got to see a ministry begin to break down the identity of the world and restore them in the identity of the word. And from this, you're seeing men desires change. You're seeing what they are going for change because of the work that's being done in their lives. Does that make sense? And so one of these days, like I said, we're going to start sharing some of these videos and some of these things. And there's always work to be done. 
But this is what today's message stems from. And so when I say that, please, please, please receive this with encouragement. And so I want to start off in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. And, and this is what I mean by this. Is, um, it, it can come across harsh. It can come across um, maybe in some sort of way condemning. But I believe this is an encouragement. And before I read this, I want to say, like, this is where Paul's addressing the Hebrews, and they're seeing people fall away and walk away from the faith, being deceived out of faith of their, of their belief. And so Paul's addressing them in Hebrews 5, again, 11 and 14. It says, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to, dis, to dis, excuse me, distinguish good from evil. And I think it's easy to read this scripture, scripture and see of one or two ways. One way of going, man, that's harsh. Where's the grace? The other way of going, maybe that doesn't apply to me. I don't see myself as immature. I don't see myself. And that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is we should always be maturing in our faith. Amen? We should always be working, as Paul would say, work out our faith. In Ephesians 4, 11, and 16 is where us as Reliance get, gets our mission. Six years ago when we became Reliance, I remember sitting in the basement with, with many leaders, and we kind of said, hey, does, does West Wichita really need another church? Because do we, do we, you know, there's one on every corner almost from, from here to Timbuktu. It seems like there are every, every few, every 500 yards, I don't know. How many? Over 500 churches, do we need another one? And so we came to this thing of going, I don't believe we need another church, but we do need equipping bases. We do, we do need equipping centers. We do need to begin to equip saints because there's great work to be done, right? And so we, we can't, we can't, and this all was established out of Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I want to read it to you. We say it all the time, you hear it all the time, but guys, we, this, this is something that has to take root in our hearts. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature, everybody say mature, mature, mature manhood, to measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. And it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from who the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part of the body, when each part of the body properly makes, uh, excuse me, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it will build itself up in love. See, this is what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to equip saints for the work of the kingdom. And there's this beauty 
of going, hey, we have to understand our place in this, that it's not the pastors and the teachers and the prophets and the evangelists that are doing all the work of the kingdom and everybody else gets to sit and have their ears tickled. It's actually saying that you are the workers and we get to encourage you and empower you to go forth. Well, we don't empower you. The Holy Spirit empowers you to go walk this and live it, right? And so you're going, okay, so where is this going, Matt? I wanna, uh, this, this became a little home to me. Uh, this came real close to home to me this week. We read it all the time that Satan is, is, is prowling around like a lion. He's ready to devour, to steal, kill, and destroy. And here's what happens when we have immature faith and when we're still um, walking in, you know, maybe we're malnourished in, in, our, in, our, in our walk is as, as Paul's writing this letter, he's going, hey, be, be weary. You guys are falling away from faith because we're, we're still in this, this elementary teachings, and we'll get into that in a minute. But on, on a Tuesday, I get this phone call from my son. He said, Dad, are you at the church? I need to meet you. And I was like, whoa, that seems urgent. I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, right, yeah, I'm good. Are you around? I was like, yeah. And so he comes into the, the, the office, and my son's been going to WSU. He's been there for, you know, a month now. He's majoring in uh, business, entrepreneurship. The kid, love the kid to death. He's, he's, uh, he's just a lover of Jesus. And so because of that, he's been getting involved a little bit more on school campus, trying to get new, you know, just build a community, relationships. He's playing some, some flag football intramural. And then uh, some kid in class goes, hey, I saw that you're a man of faith. You want to do a Bible study? And uh, Caleb was like, yeah, man, I love that. And so he's like, hey. And so Caleb's like, you want to meet in the student center? And they're supposed to go meet. And I didn't even know this. And he's just like, yeah, so we're going to go meet. We're having a Bible study. And he's like, I think I'm about to show up to a Bible study. I get a text and says, hey, uh, I can't make it, but my, my friends are there. You guys can meet. I'll jo hopefully join you next time. And what happens is Caleb walked into a meeting where two young men brought him out to a elder of a cult. And it was like, and you could tell it bothered him. This right reason he was calling me right away. He was, he was introduced probably first time, you know, under that little umbrella. All of a sudden you go out into the world and you get tested. And so what happens is they start off and they're, they're, it's good. You know, it's a Bible study is what they said. And what they did is they started getting into the word a little bit, and they started, you know, talking about John 3.16, understanding uh, what this whole thing's about, Jesus. And Caleb, they're talking for a while, and Caleb says, uh, Caleb, my son, says, yeah, I believe that the word of God is absolute, that it is not up for interpretation, and that this, this is the very word of God. And the guy's like, man, I'm glad you said that. And all of a sudden, for the next 30 minutes, the guy began to condemn and convict and, and shame my son about what he practices, what he believes, when he practices, that he goes to church on Sundays, that he partakes in communion outside of Sabbath, how he's, um, you know, he's, he's worshiping pagan gods, all of these things. And Caleb says he's receiving it for a little while. And then all of a sudden, Caleb starts just to declare the word. And he starts to look at this man and says, the guy said, how dare you practice communion outside of Sabbath? Do you understand that God, that God, God condemns you for that? 
And Caleb says, huh, that's interesting because the God I know said that I can boldly and confidently come into his throne room and that I know him and I worship him and because I know his heart, my God would never condemn me for remembering what he told me to do. To say, hey, do this often in remembrance of me. My God would never condemn me for saying, man, God, thank you for your body broken. Thank you for your blood shed for me. My God loves me so much that he made me for relationship and delights in me, and I know him. And the guy's like, uh, well, you're interpreting that scripture wrong. And Caleb literally was like, no, you're interpreting the scripture wrong. He gets up, walks away. I, I, I encouraged Caleb, and I spoke into him over and over and over and over again. And I just said, but you know your word. You know it. Continue to grow in it. Let this thing take root. Let it take, because you will, and Caleb said these words to me. He said, Dad, it was, it started off, I was, I was excited, and he's like, but it became really strange. And I found it funny on Thursday, we're praying in this room over here, and we were praying for fire. Do you remember this, Ronnie? We're praying for fire, we're praying for fire for the pulpits, we're praying for fire for preachers, that God would establish and revive those burned out, those who just need to, to, to have a fire for their congregation again, that they would be revived, that they would be renewed, they'd be those things. And then Sam McVeigh says these words, but let's also pray against the strange fire says we have to come against that in our pulpits we have to come against the false doctrine because what my son recognized and what he said is that was a gospel of shame guilt and condemnation that is not the gospel that's not my god see they, we will never buy the deceitful lies of satan if we know the truth of god you hear me we will never buy the deceitful lies of Satan if we know the truth of God. Jesus said, follow my teachings, follow me, and the truth will set you free. The schemes of the enemy have not changed. They're coming around and he's still trying to do his stupid tactics. And it's time that he stops doing it. It's time that we come against it and we expose the nonsense and that marriages are restored in the likeness and the goodness of God. It's time that we start to expose this nonsense. And this is why I'm passionate about this church. Because when I saw the strategic plans that are happening in Africa, I'm going, Lord, do that here. Let us stop forsaking and, and drinking spiritual milk. Let us move on. Let us stop being okay with laziness and comfortability and light a fire under our butts so that we could be the church that you desire, the bride that you desire. Um, I think this is one of the hardest, the hardest things for the church is we sometimes are so worried about offending people that we're actually losing people. That makes sense. Yeah. We're so afraid of offending people with truth that people are getting lost to deception and destruction. God is jealous for your soul, so much so that he paid a price. And one of the things I wanna, I'm gonna, we're gonna get into in this next scripture and we're gonna break down, but I want you guys to hear me is going, we have to know the truth. 
Hebrews 6, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, let us move beyond elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying of hands, the resurrection of dead, the eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. I don't know about you, and I've said this, and anybody who's had a conversation with me, this has been on my heart since Africa. It doesn't really seem like it's elementary teaching when you're talking about raising of dead and resurrection. I'm just going to be honest with you. That sounds crazy. The laying of hands and miracles, that doesn't seem elementary to me. But right here, he's talking about these things. And the very first thing he says is, Moving on to maturity, we don't need another message again, laying again the foundation of repentance. Listen, I want to be really, 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 really clear. As my second grader didn't get introduced and go, hey, here's algebra, figure it out. He was introduced to elementary math and basic math so that one day he can actually do algebra. Does this make sense? In the same way... Repentance is the foundation of all. Scripture says no one can lay a foundation that has already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. He is the foundation. He is everything. And we have to know that I have a great debt that needed to be paid. And it's so great that I can't pay it. But God loved me so much, he sent one that did. And his name's Jesus. And he bought me with the price. And he paid the blood, and, he, and, he, and his body broken. We're going, this is repentance of going, man, my wicked ways, I'm turning from those, God, because of what you did, and I'm walking away from them. And what, what this scripture is saying, and, and I want to be clear, is going, if my daughter right here, she's, she's, how old are you now, 16? 16 years old. At 16 years old, could you imagine if every single day of her life I had to tell her to stop sticking forks in light sockets? That would be weird. Hey, 16-year-old, that's dumb. Stop doing that. Why in the world do we still need to hear sin separates us from God? Why are you still doing that? Now listen, it's not that we don't struggle with sin, but if I'm purposely living in sin, why do I keep needing the elementary, doc, or, or elementary teaching of repentance when I know that I keep doing these things, same things over and over again? And those are walking away from faith because we're never going on to the next part. Let me tell you something. The God that I serve is not boring. The God that I serve is mighty and majestic and he's awe and man the miracles and the wonder of him make me want to pursue him in a greater way in the same way as toddlers we're thankful that we don't stay at that elementary level that we're not sticking forks and light sockets because that would be weird and awkward and in the same way we shouldn't be at the same place in our faith that we were 10 years ago struggling with the same things it was for freedom that Christ set us free and so it says, therefore, let us move beyond these teachings. And again, I, I don't want to take away from the importance of these. You can't go to XYZ without ABC, right? You got to get there. We're, we're growing. The other thing that's important for us to understand is not all of us are at the same level of our maturity of faith. 
Those who are a day or two old in our faith aren't going to be going after the same things that a lot of us have been in our whole life, but we're pressing on. We're growing deeper. We're going deeper in our understanding and what God is, is, is really doing. And so I, I, I don't want to take too much time on, on some of this, but I, this is what I, I want to say to you. A mature faith turns our focus off of me and begins to turn our focus to God. Satan likes to sit here and hold mirrors in front of us and go, man, you're full of shame. Oh, look at your, your life is full of brokenness. Your life is full of sin. And when he puts that mirror in front of us, his goal is for us to see ourselves and our shortcomings and the reason we can't actually live out what God has called us to. That's what he's trying to do. We're, 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 we're working through this book um, as a staff that says, live no lies. And one of the things that it says, is says Satan's, one of Satan's greatest tricks is to try to convince the church that he doesn't exist. And I'm just like, poof. Because if he doesn't exist, then all of a sudden, we don't recognize deceit. We don't recognize all of these false things that are coming after us that he hasn't changed from the very beginning of time in his tactics. But the best part is, is we serve a God who is steadfast, who is faithful, and he will win and be victorious. And so when when I say that it turns our focus, uh, first service, I had somebody come up after service and said, Matt, thank thank you for the message. I have a question. Like, what is the definition of mature faith? I said, man, I appreciate that. But I said, I don't know if I can say this is the definition of a mature faith. Because somebody who's just coming to, to know God needs to walk through those ABCs. And some of us are in the elemental P's. Some of us are in the X. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm far from completion. God's still working in me and through me. And he's showing me this. He's revealing these things. And so what I do want to say is, if we are called to mature faith, Philippians 1, 6 says, be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's working in you. Doesn't mean that you're, you are perfect. You're perfect in him. He's working it to completion. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Like we have to, we have to begin to take responsibility responsibility of how we are walking how we're spending our time what are we doing with these things because trust me my son saw that for the first time this this week that this is what satan wants to do is to pick apart what he believes and so how do we do that how do we begin to mature our faith how do we begin to go keep stepping forward in our elementary doctrine into the maturity th- the mature things that christ wants us to it's who we are is, is reliance of going worship, word, and prayer. That's how we do it. We have to get off this, this platform of saying worship is a style of music and it's this genre. No, worship is ascribing worth to God and the greatest way to ascribe worth to God is spend time with him. There's nothing more greater to go, I, show, I have so much worth, I see so much time. When I want to show my worth she's, or my wife that she's valuable, I don't usually do it with buying her things and doing stuff. I'm actually spending valuable time with her. Amen? We have to begin to change the way we worship, to worship in spirit and in truth. This is how we'll know the heart of God. I don't know about you, but how many times in life 
whether maybe I'm, I'm, I'm in Alaska standing on the, the beauty of the mountains and God reveals this amazing beauty and I'm just in awe and wonder of him and he looks at me and says, yeah, but you're still my greatest creation. Oh, Out of all the grand beauty of the earth, you're still my masterpiece. Guess what? This happens when we worship. God reveals his heart to us and who he is. We'll go back to the word in just a minute, but Aaron's been laying the foundation of establishing this house as a house of prayer. Just to let you know, if you thought you got out of prayer today, we're, we're going to it, okay? <laughs> but there's something happening. There's a culture changing, and what happens when culture begins to shift to the things of God, all of a sudden, the revelation of God just comes in, in supernatural ways, Amen. We've been sharing it, 45 people on, on Thursday in a prayer meeting. It's like, where are these people coming from? Amen. Starting them on, on Mondays, we thought three or four people might come up. Look, 25 people in prayer meetings, 12-hour worship burn throughout the whole day. Every time I was in here, there's people, and they're desiring and hungering and praying and pressing in to God. Jesus showed us this by, by going away and spending time with the Father throughout his ministry. Six reasons Jesus chose to, to go away to be with the Father. It says to, to prepare for a major task, to recharge after hard work, to work through grief before making important decisions in times of distress, and to focus on time with God. He showed us this over and over and over again. There's always work to be done, but we, he made the powerful statement, I do nothing by myself. I only do what I see the Father do. Amen. Amen? Amen? I only do what I see the Father do. And the only way that we can see what the Father does and know what the Father wants is to spend time with Him, to be in His Word, and to actually worship. And so, I said we'll come back to Word in just a minute. I want to read these scriptures for you. It says, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 7 says, all scripture, everybody say all. All, all scripture is breathed out by God and pro um, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for um, correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. One more time. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is what scripture does. Yes. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but I, it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the everything for which I sent it. For in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, the word was with God, and, and here's the best part, word became flesh. Guess what, it didn't return void. It came to completion, and that completion on the cross shed for you and I gave life. And every word that he has spoken from the beginning of time to the end of time will come to fruition. Amen. And these are his promises. It won't return void. And then, lastly, the last uh, scripture, it says, The word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It says it divides. It says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword or a double-edged sword, piercing and dividing the soul from the spirit and joints 
and marrow, the, th- the way we know the things of our, our flesh and our, our self and the things of God is by this word and allowing it to do the work in us. Come on, amen? And so I, I want to share with you a few images and then we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up in prayer. And what I wanna do is as I was on Tuesday, I was walking around the building and uh, I've been faithfully and appreciate the task of helping oversee the building project. And sometimes it can be cumbersome. We'll have 20 emails go through in a day and it's easy to get wrapped up in all the to-dos. And uh, I, so I was just out there, 5.30 in the afternoon, everybody's gone home and, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm praying around the building and I'm just asking God, Lord, would you keep you the main thing? Let, not, let my, not my day get wrapped up in all the stuff that needs to happen. I wanna do the ministry that you have called us to. So I'm praying that. And then I start praying over the foundation of the building. I start praying over that, God, we would just, um, yeah, we would build on what you've already laid and that, God, we'd build in faith and obedience. Let that be what we build with. And so I'm praying in each area of the building. And then I start walking. If you guys know me, I love to pace uh, already today. Probably, it says over five miles, 13,000 steps. Okay, it's just who I am. And so I, I constantly walk, I constantly pace, and so I just, I walk out to the field, and I'm just going and going and going, and I get all the way to the end. I wish I would have taken the first picture, but I took this picture. When I turned around, I felt like I just saw this picture, and from a distance, it looks like that building could be done, or at least almost done, Right? From a distance, it looks like, okay, there's the structure. We see the outline of that building. We see how, what it's going to look like, how big it's going to be. I'm sure all the neighbors around are going, oh, man, that's going really fast. Every person that drives by, they're like, oh, my gosh. Or like I've run into a guitar center. The guy's like, dude, you are going to be done fast. Will you be in there before the new year? And I just laughed. Like, <laughs> you have no idea. He's like, well, dude, it looks like it's going so fast. I'm like, it's funny what happens from a, 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 an outside perspective. Now, get a little bit closer in the next picture, all of a sudden you begin to see that this building's not quite done. There's still work to be done. You get a little bit closer, you're going, oh, it's missing some things. How many times does the world or even us look at and go, God, when are you coming? When are you going to fulfill your promise? From an outside perspective, it looks like this thing's done. It seems like the gospel's gone everywhere. God, that, isn't that your promise? Once, once this whole commission's fulfilled, you're coming back, Lord, when is it? And you get a little bit closer and you're going, oh, well, I guess there's still some work to be done. Amen. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. God desires for everyone to at least come to the elementary teaching that he is Lord and that they need a Savior. Amen? Amen. And so that's this perspective of going, okay, there's still work to be done. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then there's another image that I took when I got back in there. And it's like you're in it. Once you're in it, you realize the vastness of the project. You realize all of the work that still needs to be done. You begin to see the specific things that are not done yet. See, from an outside point of view, it looks like it could be done and you have no idea what's going inside. When you get a little bit closer, you begin to acknowledge that there's still work to be done. When you're in the inner parts, 
You see the specific needs. Let me tell you, God wants to reveal his heart to the church. He wants to reveal his plan and his strategic plan, and he has called you and I to be subcontractors to that. That he is the architect and he is the master builder and he has made you and I ambassadors for his kingdom. And the only way we will ever know his plan is to study his word and to be in prayer and community with him. And to know his heart and to spend time with him in worship. And God will begin to reveal a new revelation and a new idea of our part in this whole thing. Does that make sense? As I was standing there, I was just like, man, Lord, what a beautiful reality of the closer I get, the more intimate I get with God, the more that I actually see what he is burdened for, what he desires. John 15, it's a famous scripture, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he uh, it, it says that he will bear much fruit, but from part from me, you can do nothing. It's nothing that we're doing on our own, not by our talents, not by our efforts. We've seen that. We've seen churches built by man's effort. And guess what? They crumble and fall. But the bride of Christ, God will build his church. And he has called us to just be the vessels of that truth, of his word, of his promise. And so I want to share with you I told you that God's just been opening up a few doors um, for me to be able to share um, stories and testimonies and the power of those. And uh, I, I called Kevin, is the guy's name, and asked if I could share just a portion of his story. I want to share that with you guys today because I think it's a great challenge for the rest of us. Watch this video. You might have to back it up. Searching for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went and sold everything he had. And I realized that they're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And Father God saw me and he called me his pearl of great value. He went and sold everything he had, which was Jesus. And I realized the great sacrifice, the great love, a love I didn't understand. But through that, I began searching for scriptures that talked about in Christ, in him, through him, of him, by him. And I realized that I'm redeemed. He calls me holy. He calls me his child. He calls me accepted. He calls me anointed. He doesn't look at me through the lens of what I've done or who, where I was, but he looks at me through the lens of, of redemption. And that's so cool. I realized that it was an identity issue. And I realized that you can't isolate from others without isolating from God. And I'd isolated myself from God. And I had uh, isolated myself from, from many things that would keep me healthy. And, I, and as I talked with men, I realized too that it's an identity issue. Uh, with them as well, their identity in Christ, knowing fully and believing what the scripture says, believing what Father God says about who we are and who we are in Him. 
I guess most importantly, he calls me his son. I want to show that to you because, um, first, I don't know if anybody in this room knows Kevin, but if you do, don't answer this question. But by that video, you can literally just shout it out. What, what do you know about Kevin? He knows his identity. He knows his identity. What's his identity? Son of God. What else? He's humble. Okay. What else? Not ashamed. That's huge. What else? He's anointed. He's value. He's faithful. See, stories Kevin is pro- uh, the story of Kevin is the hardest one I've ever got to tell. This is the hardest video I've ever put together in my life, and it's because of his story is broken. I won't tell you all of it because one day we'll release it. Hopefully in our men's group at some point we'll share it. But I say this because Kevin had an extreme addiction that he lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his jobs. He lost his, his wife. He lost his freedom. Spent five years in federal prison. Not a single one of you defined him by what he did. To find him of what he knows, what he declares, and who he walks as. And I just think of so many times in life, we hold on to our own shame, we hold on our own, our own past, and we forget to move on to the freedom of which Christ set us free. Yes. See, when I met Kevin, I literally, I'll never forget, he said the words to me, he said, Matt, I thought I've been in ministry my entire life, and my addiction, I thought that I would, it, it discredited me. And he said, when I started to read the word, I was like, man, I'll never be in ministry again because to be in ministry and to be an elder that I have to be above reproach. And he said, one day I'm still laying in bed and I, he's like, I felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit, wake up, go look and see what that means. So he goes and he starts to look and see what it means to be above reproach. And he said, what I came to really quickly, it doesn't mean to be without sin. He says, what it means is to be fully known. And I was just like, oh. The video is called Fully Known. And I'm, I'm going to invite Kent, Kent to come up and pray, uh, play while we, we pray. And I want to, to dig into something here, church. And the reason I share this video with us is some of us, the reason we feel like we, ha- we have to stay in an immature way of thinking or living is because we think our past defines us. That we're not good enough, that our life is full of condemnation and shame. That maybe that something has discredited us. But if there's anything that I've learned from his story is he's redeemed. That he is valued and that he is a son. And this is how he's going to live his life every single day because he has now tasted freedom and new light. And he won't take that for granted. Amen? And so we're gonna co- I just want to come into a posture of receiving and asking. I told you, like, Lord, let this not be a message of of condemnation, but of conviction, of an encouragement to go deeper. What Bree prayed earlier, someone in this room just needs to hold tight and to go into the deeper things of God. Paul, In Ephesians 1, praise this prayer. 
And as we prayed, I, I wanted to spend a few, few minutes of just asking God. And so would you just put your hands out like this? Just like this is a receiving of a prayer of, of, an inter, of intercession for you. Paul is his desire, the one who's encountered the Lord, who, who'd gone through the mix of it. He didn't let his past define him, but he walked in the encounter that he had, the, the, the understanding he had of who God was. Came so bold, he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. My life here is, is, a, is a poured out drink offering. It's, it's for the Lord. Like he said, it's from... For it's better for your sake that like Paul wants to stay and teach the word but he also wants to go home his desire is to go be with the one that he wants to spend his prize, his reward but he's like hey there's still work to be done and so he prays this prayer and he says I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches and his glorious inheritance in the holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I'm going to ask you just to, to receive that. Just you and God, audience of one, Lord, would you pour out your spirit and bring wisdom that is only from you. Years and years. The truth is, is the depths and the riches, the wisdom and knowledge, the knowledge, God's unsearchable. He, you, no one knows the depths of his love, how far and how deep and how wide. I believe that God wants to reveal these things to his church, to his people, to his sons and his daughters. And so just hands open, just you and God, just begin to pray and ask for these things. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day to day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.